Good afternoon. Does anyone really know Peter Robson, the First Minister? He's been to hell privately and back in recent times and bounced back delivering a massive result electorally for his party. With the exception of the other Peter, Peter Mandelson, rarely does a politician re-emerge triumphantly having fallen so far. Today we're asking where is Peter Robson leading unionism? Big talk of an end to the syndrome of us and them? Talk of a single educational system? Talk of a united community? Can he deliver? Or will the troglodytes in his ranks derail him and his vision? Then again, when we look at what has happened in recent days, rarely have we had such a fusillade of attack on a party leader as that which we had from David Bignari against Mr. Elliot when that fallout developed. To analyse Peter Robertson, the new Peter Robertson or the old Peter Robertson repackaged, I have with me this afternoon the former Ulster Unionist Party leader David Trimble, now Lord Trimble, and a Conservative, and former historian and civil servant and commentator, and what else, identified with the Down team down the years, Dr Morris Hayes. So, I'll start with you, uh, Mr Trimble, reflecting on the man that you knew, with whom you worked. Who is Peter Robson? Well, I don't actually find that sort of inquiry uh, helpful. Um, yes, I did work with Peter, particularly in the uh, 1980s, uh, in the campaign against the Anglo-Irish Agreement, uh, but latterly, uh, certainly after I went into Parliament and particularly after I became leader of the Ulster News Party, my communications with him have been very, very limited. Uh, and I don't find it helpful sort of asking yourself uh, what's going on inside someone's mind. I, I'm inclined on that point to... Uh, to quote Cromwell, who said that he looks into no man's mind. Uh, the question is, what do they do, and where are they positioning themselves? Uh, they trying to uh, interpret things in light of a view, right or wrong, of a person's character. I think is not a wise thing to do. You have to deal in politics always with the reality of what people are doing and what they might possibly do in the future, but not to be too dogmatic about that. Morrissey's how possibly. Do you evaluate what anyone is doing without looking into their mind to try and get the source of the ideas, the thinking? Well, it's a bit dangerous to try making a diagnosis uh, when you're not in the presence of the patient, number one, and uh, particularly uh, if it's uh, of, of what's in their mind. I, I'm trying to agree with... Uh, with, with, with David, it's not uh, where the business, where they're going, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you can get um, indications out of where they've been. Uh, funny enough, on, on where they've been, I remember one time uh, getting a, an anguish phone call from Ken Bloomfield, who was on holidays in Switzerland, I think it was, and he'd been looking at the news uh, relayed uh, in, in, in English there, and he rang me up and he said to me, where the hell is Clontebray? <laughs> <laughs> so if you think of Clontebray on the, on, on, on the one hand, and uh, um, where I, I think um, um, Peter is more or less in the pattern of uh, most of his predecessors uh, as, as leaders of the Unionist Party, and I would include David in this too, um, that you <clears throat> you get into office and then you find if you, you have to make 
progress or you're, you're, you're moving, uh, you're moving in directions which take you ahead of the party. And uh, I think there's a problem for uh, maintaining that, that balance. And I think uh, Peter is maybe at that point at the, at the moment. Now, why he's moving is another thing. I, I, I think he's, he's looking at where votes are in the, in the future and where parties are going. Well, I'd, I'd like to just follow you by looking where they've been. And here, uh, what I would look at is uh, where uh, he and his party have been. Uh, since the uh, run-up to the uh, the agreement in 1998 and afterwards, yeah. uh, they they uh, took a bet that, that either there wouldn't be an agreement or it would yeah. quickly collapse. Uh, and when that didn't happen, uh, then I think they positioned themselves and deliberately followed the path over the years from 2000 to 2003 to 2005 of a, of exact of. Uh, adding to our difficulties, using them and the unpopularity of some elements of the agreement to weaken our position with the intention of replacing us, yeah. always with that intention. So, so uh, while you can see them as uh, after 03, 05, tracking to the, <coughs> the centre, which of mm. course is conventional political wisdom that you track to the centre because that's where the votes are or the, the crucial votes mm. are, I think that it was Peter Robinson's intention, certainly from 2000, maybe even earlier, to do that, uh, which means that he had plenty of time to prepare his party for it. And I think it's quite interesting that in the period <coughs> 06, 07, when they were, as it were, bringing the institutions back, doing their negotiation with Sinn Féin and agreeing with Sinn Féin, uh, how little perturbation there was in the DUP at that time. There, there were grumbles from people, but there were no significant uh, you know, no. departures other than Jim Allister. Uh, but apart, they, the party held together doing something which 10 years ago you wouldn't have dreamt they would, uh, would do. And they did that, in my view, uh, simply in order to gain power. But isn't it ironic? There's an ironic symmetry, uh, David, the fact that the Sinners were doing almost exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the two of them are well matched. Yeah. Uh, and they're well matched too in terms of their, their party structures and behaviours. They're both of them highly centralised, highly disciplined. Uh, they, and I think they, they're entirely devoid of principle. They, they, they do their discussions Which in Which is private. a very handy thing in the high politics. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I put a, a little uh, sort of comment in there that, that, that having some ballast to you <laughs> is, is desirable. But no, as I say, they're both well uh, matched in terms of being highly disciplined. Uh, you know, democratic centralism in the old Marxist sense clearly operates within both parties. And yet the charge consistently coming from the Democratic Unionist Party that the problem they have in dealing with Sinn Féin in, in the executive is that no matter what comes to the table among the representatives of the two parties respectively, always has to go back to the Falls Road to the kitchen cabinet of republicanism. So centralised, but where is the centre? Indeed. Now that's a that's a, that's that's a question we can't easily answer. Isn't that know? a fascinating one? Imagine, uh, well, maybe maybe uh, David Cameron has to go home to find out what uh -huh. the real pulse is after the cabinet meeting, or be, or cabinet meeting, or before going to the cabinet meeting. Who knows? You know. I remember John politics. Hume complaining to me during the Hume Adams talk that the great difficulty in dealing with Adams was that he had to keep going back. 
Bieber and I was saying to John, was not a wonderful thing about the leader of a democratic party that you didn't have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was the difference, and that was the weakness, and that is what is left. Uh, well, that's still going on. Let me well, see. Yeah. Just the other day, yeah. a very senior democratic unionist person, advisor to Trimble, said to me, "We still got the same problem. It has to go back to the kitchen cabinet, Connolly House, or the Falls Road." Well. Adams isn't the leader of the Republican movement. uh, If anything, uh, McGuinness is closer to being the leader of the Republican movement. But the Republican movement has uh, a sort of a diffuse leadership, which always has to be consulted, Mm -hmm. and they're not all in in Stormont. Uh, and are you sure of that? <laughs> From my looking around the place, how quite a few of them are. Well, uh, you're, you're closer to that now than I am. Uh, it's also very convenient for them uh, and it, because uh, it enables them to avoid having to give a straight answer or, yes. or a hard answer mm-hmm. uh, and gives them time to think uh, and to, to do it a little bit more, what they call strategising. Yes, yes. well, we, we, we're not here to talk necessarily about Sinn Féin. We're no, here uh-huh. to, to look at Peter Robertson. And I just want to quote you something that he said recently. This is in his Liverpool speech, which um, became quite controversial in terms of the newsletter because he actually confronted the newsletter about their interpretation of what he said in Liverpool. But he said, as a union is wanting to ensure the long-term continuation of the union. I believe we could do worse in our dealings with nationalists and emulate the approach at the end of the Cold War, summarised in the quotation, we are going to do a terrible thing to you. We are going to deprive you of an enemy. Is that what's going on? Now, one puts that alongside uh, the other, what might be called liberal gestures that you get from um, uh, Mr Robinson. Uh, the business about education and, and all the rest of it. And I think you, you've got to look at all of that and say, what is this for? Is this just window dressing? Uh, does it mean a significant shift in terms of the, the alignment of the party in the future? Uh, I'm doubtful as to whether the DUP can change its character to the extent that Robinson suggests. Uh, I. This is not something we can give a, a clear, hard and fast answer to. But when you look at the, the history of the party, uh, the, the people who are prominent in it, uh, where they've come from, what they continue to do in terms of their highly sectarian attitude to uh, life in Northern Ireland, I find it difficult to believe that that party can be uh, in a completely different place. Okay, Morris, that's an interesting yes. point. Uh, David uses the term liberal gestures, which implies to me that he's questioning the authenticity of what Peter Robinson's doing as an individual. Now, let's talk about the individual vis-a-vis the party of which uh, David is speaking. No, I, I would give him a bit more credit, I think, than that, than it being mere gesture. But... but uh, like David, I would be concerned at the, and this was what I was roughly uh, trying to hint at earlier when I talked about a leader getting ahead of his party. Um, uh, there are different noises coming from the backbenches, really, and not even the backbenches. You know, a lot of the senior members of the party singing quite a different tune. And uh, I, 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 I do think they would find it very uncomfortable to follow him. Um, it struck me that uh, he was after the, uh, what I would call the liberal unionist and the liberal Protestant vote, uh, rather necessarily than the, what you might call the, uh, the potential Catholic vote for, for, I think for, that's, for that. I think that's right. Someone who knows the DUP better than I do uh, say that uh, when they look at um, 
how they can advance politically. Uh, they, they look to their, their vote as simply basically coming from the Protestant community yeah. and they want to try and to appeal to every different demographic within that, yeah. one of which is the, what might be called the liberal unionist approach. Yeah. And I think this, I, I would agree with you that these things are pitched towards them to say, look, you can vote for us without feeling that you're, you're going voting for something that you've opposed all your life. Uh-huh. But why are you so questioning of, of the bona fides and the good intentions of Peter Robinson? Is that a problem with the party per se or is it a problem directly inside Peter Robinson's head which you're identifying? Well, I put it in terms of the party uh, because one does know what the character of the party was and the way in which the party operated. Uh, and it's difficult to see that party enthusiastically embracing the, the line that, that Robinson is suggesting. As to whether he's been purely uh, you know, tactical about it, purely cynical about it, or whether he fully, genuinely means it and wants to try and do it, but hold on, I David. don't know which is hold on, David. You danced with Ian Paisley at Drumcree, right? But you showed real leadership. Uh, eventually, you evolved and you changed. Isn't Peter Robinson and aren't his colleagues uh, capable of changing? Have, having the, haven't they got the potential inside them to change? Could you not be a little more generous? Every second when Paisley and I were ostensibly uh, cooperating, we, we, were, we were competing. Every second. You would address the central issue. You changed. Uh, you, no, you, I, you, I, you, you, your party would claim that you laid the foundations for where we are today because of your leadership. Now, they punished you eventually because you showed leadership. But aren't, aren't the Democratic Unionist Party capable of change too? Uh, I'll, I, I will admit to showing leadership, but I will not admit to changing. I think um, Robinson is in a stronger position, I think, than almost any union's leadership oh, for yes. a long time. Oh, yes. And uh, this is the test. Does he lead from, 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 from that position? I have a lot of sympathy, actually. In fact, I would support his, his uh, approach to education. I, I, I think it's quite important from the general societal point of view for a lot of reasons uh, you know and I'm, I'm not thinking of integrated education I'm thinking uh, you know if he were to bid for you know sharing and opening I, I think particularly of a situation where you have two schools in a, in a country town or even in a village a state school and a Catholic school neither of which can muster the numbers and what are they going to do it's going to close both of them and bus those kids 20 miles away for us, yeah, a sensible the thing would be to share what they have there. But I go back to what uh, I go back now somewhat to support uh, uh, David's thesis. Yeah. Was uh, I would travel quite a distance down the road with you. Yeah. Peter Robinson, as an individual, yeah. uh, is showing leadership and reaching out. And uh, but at the same time, he uh, it's claimed that he personally has intervened in the question of the merger between Queens and. Uh, Sir Millis College, Sir Millis, yes. uh, mm-hmm. on the grounds that he wants to protect what he's referring to as the ethos of Sir Millis College, which is a non-denominational college with 30% staff coming from the Catholic nationalist background and 30% plus of the students coming from the Catholic nationalist background. But it's been claimed that he is essentially putting a gun to everybody's head and saying, if you don't undo St Mary's College, 
in West Belfast, then there will be no merger. We will not wear, we will not tolerate a merger. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, isn't there ambiguity, isn't there ambivalence in, 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 in that specific area? And is that what you are questioning? You can also is, say is there is a consistency like in this logic. There is a consistency, yeah. you think? I mean, if you're going to give a concession that way, if you're going to treat it in that way, that one group are entitled to have a, a sort of a little sectarian camp of their own, it's very hard to argue that other people right. should. You agree with that, uh, Davis? Um, yes, I, I won't disagree with that. And um, I would, I don't want to get, I mean, we're dealing with hypotheses yeah. here, so I, I don't want to sort of argue too much on that one specific case. Yes. I think... Uh, what one has to do is to see how things develop and I would be looking not so much at what one individual, albeit the leader, what he is saying, I'd be looking to see what other people are saying. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, some, putting it crudely, and, and a journalist said to me uh, with regard to one of uh, the conference speeches in which Peter was saying these things uh, that uh, we're, we're talking about, he's saying that what they should have done is looked at the audience. Uh, this is the bit nobody clapped, nobody you see, agreed. You, you're on the money here because Nigel Dodds came up with certain language on that. Thing. Sammy Wilson, the finance minister, yeah. I mean, so people were alarmed at that reference to former hunger strikers. Like, people were just alarmed. Oh, that and they had them rolling in the eyes. Yeah, yes, but <laughs> on the outside, yeah. decent, honest, decent people from both sides of the community were alarmed at what he was saying. So you're quite right. And this is why, this is why I used the term troglodyte earlier yeah. on. Uh, can Peter deliver his vision, or will he be derailed by that type of attitude within the camp? Well, we all we can do is wait and see. Morris, a, a very senior advisor to, him, uh, to Peter Robinson said today, by virtue of what Peter says and does, this creates space for people, for people lower down. Is what Peter says and what he does enough to bring those people worrying David along, ultimately. Well, I think simply to create space isn't enough, and that's a, it's a hypothetical thing anyway. I mean, the question is, do they use the space, and what do they do with it? And uh, no, I think leadership involves a bit more than simply creating an atmosphere, you know? Well, what do you think that, uh, if you were where he is today, uh, what would you be doing, uh, David, if you were Peter Robson? What more would you be doing? Like, if you take, <coughs> excuse me, if you take the situation, <coughs> if, you, if you take his track record in, I suppose, what could be deemed liberal moves uh, by, a, a, by a Unionist Party leader, the way he behaved when uh, the young woman, Michaela Hart, died, uh, he, his behaviour was modelled then. When Ronan Kerr uh, was killed, his behaviour was exemplary again. Uh, people are taking a lot of heart from his presence at the weekend and at the Dr. McKenna final in Armagh. Uh, so, I mean, say he's made this speech in Liverpool, which is reaching out. He's, he's spoken about a single educational system. He's spoken about an end to the us and them syndrome. So, would you accept that he that he's making quite a big effort uh, to plot the course? Yes, in terms of what's being said, um, it, it is uh, significant. Uh, now, um, I've, you'll forgive me for saying what he's doing is basically following some of the things that I did uh, right. when I was leader, and, and uh, I don't, don't critic, no criticism of that, obviously, from me. Um, what I was would have wanted to do and what I was working, trying to get the system to address uh, when I was still First Minister back 10, year, you know, ten years ago uh, was to... Uh, 
have a radical recasting of community relations policy to focus mm-hmm. on the interfaces and yeah. to focus on the areas where the interfaces were and to try and mobilise the local representatives, the local council representatives, local uh, assemblymen uh, who represented the interfaces to jointly work out ways of defusing those problems and to uh, work out ways of improving the quality of life for people who live in, yeah. in those areas. Uh, I, I was doing that as a, a very practical way of, of dealing with, an, a, a, you know, what you might call a legacy issue or, or, or a, a reality of where the, 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 the uh, communal conflict, uh, sort of where they rub up against each other. Uh, now, unfortunately, nothing has happened on that front, I think, significantly in the last 10 years. So are you dismissive of the cohesive strategic investment fund effort and all that type of thing. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, no, except, look, well, the big failure of this government has been to produce a community relations policy. Mm-hmm. And that has been thrashed around it and still there is no sort of broad policy, broad strategy about the thing. And uh, I, I think the <coughs> the cohesive investment thing is, I, I, I think it's fine if they start working on it. But, uh, you know, even on the education thing, um, I think uh, Robinson is in a, in a position to take it on with McGuinness and say, look, let's the two of, two of us go for it. And the two of them, I remember actually, uh, before any of this happened at all, David Montgomery asked me one time, uh, you know, what would be the best thing for integrated education? And I said, a uh, uh, Sinn Féin Minister of Education. Because uh, now I wasn't thinking of Katrina, Katrina Rowan, I must say, actually, you know. <laughs> but they, they, on the grounds that they were the only people who would stand up to the Catholic Church on the thing. And I think the two of them would be strong enough to, to, to do it. Because it's very interesting. I, I think the, uh, uh, there was a report in the paper there the other day where half the um, children in, in a school in Bangor, a Catholic school. It's in Columbanus. It's in Columbanus. Yeah. We're not Catholics. Uh, you can see it at the grammar school level that people are increasingly picking the better mm-hmm. school. Yeah, but up the country too, one of the, the primary the schools now, they've just taken a decision. Yeah. Because the numbers were falling and they've just got yeah. together, so you get a crossover between the Catholic and Protestant. So it's happening. Ballycastle uh-huh. is happening up in Ballycastle. It's happening anyhow, organically. So there is a move, there is a, a temper in the times there and a change of things that I, I think uh, politicians are a bit behind. And uh, they have room for movement on, well, on, on that. But, you know, it, I agree with, 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 with uh, David, you know, I mean, somebody to tackle the practical interface problems in this thing. There's too much agreement in this programme, David. I, 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 I want to move. I want to move. I'm not today. used to agreement among politicians. We'll fall out of it some just Morrison and I who are agreeing. We will cheerfully disagree with you. Let me just bring it into another arena because you are now. I presume, watching from beyond uh, <clears throat> what could be described as close to a disintegration of, of your former party, just how serious do you see that? And will there be pickings there for Peter Robertson at the end of the day? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some people in the DUP look at it in those terms uh, as well. Uh, it is obviously highly regrettable that we've had uh, these problems over the last while. Uh, I'm afraid it is something that does uh, seem to break out every now and again. Uh, obviously, it's uh, not unusual for politicians to have an ego 
that's perfectly normal, uh, but it also it's necessary for any sort of uh, group effort for people to be prepared from time to time to uh, subordinate their ego to the needs of the, 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 the collective. Uh, and I hope that that will resume. Uh, what are you saying? That. What are you saying, David? Uh, I'm in, in, in English, in the English that everybody understands that, subordinating their ego, about whom are you speaking? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm skirting round something. Why is that, God? What, 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 what has broken out here? Why are you skirting? Come on, come clean. Are we talking about Mr. McNally? <laughs> no, I'm skirting my way gently round things and I'm not going to get involved in any discussion of, of personalities or of the detail of something which, as you say, I have observed from afar, uh, but have uh, do not know the inside and the outside. And I know that in a situation like this, comment from people outside, particularly from former leaders, is not helpful. But you're, you're so an intelligent man. What's your, what's your distillation of what you've seen? Can I say, can I throw you David? A lifeline? <coughs> well, I don't want to take it from a lifeline. Well, at least I'm from outside the thing. Morris, if I could say sure. what I was going to say, what I would prefer to do is a step back. Well, a step back, come on. Right. And what I think, you know, the question one has to ask oneself is, uh, in the present circumstances, what is the Ulster Unionist Party for? Now, it was clearly for a particular position and all the rest of it in my time. Since then, the DUP, have, sorry, the DUP have moved comprehensively onto the territory of the Ulster Unionist Party and occupy that. Uh, that, of course, is uh, deeply upsetting to members of the Ulster Unionist Party who feel that you know somehow they've been cheated because uh, the, you know, the, the, the DUP have just stolen all their clothes and taken all the rest of it. And it's a perfectly understandable reaction to that to point to it and to say, you know, look at what these uh, these people are doing and, and attack them from a, a different flank. But the party cannot coherently attack the DUP from a position that looks as though they disagree with the present positions of the DUP because those positions of the DUP Correct. were their own positions. So, so there's no attack from outside. There's no point of making it appear as if you're in a similar position as Peter, uh, as, as Jim Allister, because there's no future in that <coughs> at all. So the future, from point of view from the Ulster Unionist Party, uh, is to stay in the centre ground. There's no point being anywhere else. That's the important place to be. But then to say to themselves, what do we do that adds something mm -hmm. to the uh, present situation? This is why, obviously, one of the reasons why I so strongly supported the relationship with the Conservative Party, not just for that reason, a whole host of other reasons why what was happening then I thought was highly desirable. Uh, for a variety of reasons, the UUP doesn't want to pursue that line further at the moment. Did you describe and their behaviour as stupid in rejecting that offer? Uh, I'm not going to go into something which I feel a bit sore about the way in which it was uh, Which is right, clear up the accused here, this I'm issue. To, uh, I don't remember using that term and I don't think that's it's okay. a fair recollection of what I was saying, but that's, um, I'm not going into that again. Um, if the party isn't bringing something new in terms of that issue, there will be a tendency to drift towards the position of the DUP. And I wouldn't be surprised if the DUP are anxious to encourage that and would be playing all the, the usual things about unionist unity, which go down, always go down well in, in, in some circles. So there is a danger at which they need to appreciate that if they're not doing something distinctive themselves, then the uh, tendency to, to drift into some sort of relationship with the DUP or indeed to merge with it uh, will be there. And they need to ask themselves, <coughs> is this what they want to do? Now, 
I could produce an argument, and some people have produced an argument to me, that is, this is something that should be done because uh, if the Ulster Unionist Party merged with the DUP, the Ulster Unionist Party would bring together its members who are uh, genuinely more liberal than the DUP, that this, the new party then would have a different character and would be in a different place and might even be able to take up the sort of agenda I outlined a few minutes ago even more enthusiastically than it can do at the moment. I, as I say, this point is put to me, uh, uh, but I just have something within me with the feeling that this isn't really the best thing to do, not to do it that way. That's a very timid way of saying never, never to a merger. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I, I'm entitled to be timid when I want right. to okay. be. Right, OK. Well, uh, if I could come at it a bit tangentially. Uh, we talked earlier about the symmetry between... Uh, Sinn Féin and, and DUP, and there's oddly the same sort of symmetry between the Ulster Unionist Party and SDLP mm -hmm. yeah. at the moment. And I, I was talking last night to a fairly senior Fine Gael people, person in, in Dublin, and he said, what's the SDLP for? Mm. And that's the question, in a sense, they have to, 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 to ask themselves, you see. Uh, and there is the, the danger, uh, both cases, that they define themselves uh, by being the more extreme version of the, the, the party. And, uh, you know, in, in one case, that you, you, you wave more flags. In the other case, that you wrap the green flag around you mm -hmm. even, even more. And, but the difficulty is that there's a lot of voters floating around there that sort of now know where to go, and they're wondering where to go. And the real danger is of apathy, I think, that they, 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 they simply go nowhere. The second is, um, is it the best thing uh, for this society to have a two-party, rigid two-party government? I mean, we had that before. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't particularly uh, helpful. So, uh, you know, I think there does need to be a plurality of parties and a plurality of views. The, the, the um, danger I see with the, the Ulster Unionist Party um, uh, was particularly, and I will name names here, was, uh, but not in, in a personal way, in picking Tom, um, Elliot is leader. Uh, it seemed to me as if they were saying, you know, uh, we have to look after the West, we have to look after that heartland. And really where they should be looking is in north down the area around Belfast, that, what do you call it, built up place. And uh, SDLP have shown the same way, uh, I, I think, that you can't run a serious party, Northern Ireland from Derry or from West Ulster, neither can you do it from, I, 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 I think, uh, South Fermanagh. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they survive, I'm not sure how they get on, but I, I, I do see uh, sort of uh, uh, both emotionally and theoretically a need for, for parties. Will the Ulster Unions survive? Oh, probably. Uh, maybe it should be more definite than that. Uh, uh, I think that uh, it has shown clearly over the course of the last seven years uh, for, uh, despite the <coughs> defeats in 2003 and 2005, it has shown a capacity to survive. Uh, and I'm quite sure uh, that if it wishes to, it will. Uh, but if it goes and it uh, drifts towards the, the DUP, that will be as a, as a matter of its own choice. And that can't be ruled out. I'm, as I say, at the end of the day, I don't think it would be a terribly good idea. I prefer them to uh, assert their distinctiveness in a, in a different way. But direction. if you get into bed with them, if the leader is sitting down in discussions with Peter Robinson, as alleged, 
with a three or four man delegation and given the strength of the Democratic Unionist Party and how they could actually lure them, isn't there a danger that the, sooner or later the apple will fall into the Democratic Unionist Garden? Well, now, this prospect has been around for over, well, well not much, well, it's decades now, right? And when you go back to the, the original Hatfield House yes. discussions, I mean, that's that's the sort of thing, that, that's, that's the territory that, that people have explored more than once. Uh, in the past, they, they merely explored it and stood back, and that is more likely than not to happen at the present time. So, Morris, in conclusion, and I want to wrap this up now, where do you think Peter Robinson will be? Will he be the master over all that he surveys uh, as the leader of unionism uh, by the time he leaves office? And he is talking about going when he's 65, so he, he's a few years left, but not very many. Well, I, I don't see anybody toppling him in the meantime, I must say. Um, but will he, be, will he have all unionism in his grip, do you think? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. No? He may be the, he will be the most powerful force in, 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 in unionism. Uh, I mean, it depends on what he does and where he goes. I mean, if he goes in certain directions, he might detach a bit of the tail of the, of the, the DUP as well. No, but things. David, is there a relevance to us, the unionism, at that point? If he keeps chipping away, if John McAllister and Basil McRae, if they, if they cut themselves off ultimately, if the, the people with DUP tendencies gravitate towards the DUP, what is left then? What relevance are, will those who remain have? Well, look, I, I come to this from the, the position which I, I stated at the beginning, that looking back at, what the, at the character of the DUP and of the, the people in it, I can't actually see it changing its spots to that extent. Uh, and I think while you've got uh, right, maybe more than just gestures, you have some uh, pointers in a different direction. I don't think that there's going to be a radical change in the nature of the party. It'll still be where it uh, basically is at the moment. Uh, and it will not lose any bits of its tail because it will be okay. you know, keeping keeping that together. That means there is still the possibility of a liberal unionist party making progress. Uh, now, uh, one's often thought, you know, as, as Morris has said, that there is a potential relationship with the SDLP which hasn't really been explored yeah. uh, properly, uh, and which might something might be done. I mean, we did a, we, we of course we in the SDLP talked to each other many times in my time, and I'm sure it's continuing to be the case. So there is there is a potential there which has not been fully explored. Neither of us has actually touched on a, an alliance party, Ready Vivas. I must say I don't see that, but you know you just wonder whether there 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 there, there was a hole for that. No. Yes, well, there's a certain uh, st uh, seems to be if you look back over the last uh, decade or more that that the pattern of Ulster politics has not changing, no. hasn't changed, no. is not changing. Um, I would have hoped that it would we would see a situation where we change because essentially our politics. Uh, and our political structure derives from the national conflict, you know, the conflict as to mm -hmm. whether this piece of land should be part of a United Kingdom or a United Ireland. Now, that issue having been resolved or parked quite comprehensively, but we're still 
in a party structure that reflect that reflects that, mm. uh, and you would have thought that in this situation there would be an openness to a, an evolution of the party structure mm. into something that is more reg, you know recognisable in a democratic society where the, the differences are with regard to the the, the, the social issues, economic mm. issues, rather than issues of nationality. Uh, that is why I was, was very you know excited when uh, David Cameron was prepared to invest so much time here, and I was hoping that the Labour Party would do the same, the British Labour Party would do the same, so that we then begin to see politics in Northern Ireland evolve in any in a quite different way. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't happened so far. I still actually think that will happen. Remember what your old colleague Seamus Mallon used to say: "The oppressed always cling to romance." <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it somehow. I doubt it somehow. Gentlemen, Lord Trimble, David Trimble, former Ulster Unionist Party leader, uh, Morris Hayes, uh, former senator. I don't know what else you were. You seem to have been in everything except the crib of Christmas, Morris, but thank you for your too. contribution. <laughs> it's been very enjoyable. Thank, thank you very you. stimulating. Thank you very Thanks much. for your attention. Um, from mmally.com. Good afternoon. Thank you.